0: You are now tuned in on Radio Free Podcast.
1: The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. We want to welcome you to our podcast today. Our topic, hang on listeners, because this is going to kind of rock your cultural world a little bit. Our title today is Betrayal of Many Antichrists. Some of the many details that are embedded into the term Antichrist. But if you're listening and you are a person of betrayal, if you're just in the habit of gossiping about people. Yes, in the Greek, betrayal, one of the words that is used to define the word betrayal, is gossip. If you are a gossiper, you are a person of betrayal. Now that's where I'm starting today. Because see, most people when they hear the term Antichrist, they, they think of the archangel that rebelled against God and God put him on this dark, formless planet. And as a result of him being on this dark, formless planet, he kicks in his rebellion and he does everything he can in this new world order to project his control over something he was unable to do while he was in heaven, and that was to gain the throne of the holy. Now that would be true. Well, in our passage, those of you who've been following these messages online, you know that we are in 1st John. And we're doing a detailed Hebrew and Greek study of 1 John and 2 John. We are in chapter 2 today, particularly the verses 18 through 27. Those of you who are listening and you would really appreciate a PDF of my actual preaching notes, all you got to do is look to the right. You see that button that says PDF, click on that, and it will open for you. And you'll literally be able to see the notes that I'm preaching from today. Question for you. What are the descriptive signs of the Antichrist? Underlining the Antichrist. What are the descriptive signs of the Antichrist? Particularly in your personal life. Now, if you've been trained in psychobabble, I know many of our listeners have been because our primary audience is to counselors and disciplers and small group leaders. But you need to understand something. If you have had excessive training in in psychobabble, you're going to have the tendency to break down the word of God in relational terms. Now, sticking to the core of rejection, for example... The bottom line thing that John is addressing in our passage is rejection of Jesus Christ is what produces many antichrists. It's that simple. Now in our culture today, we're going to get into rejection issues with your daddy, rejection issues with your mommy, rejection issues with your brothers and sisters, rejection issues even though a good, healthy disciple needs to discuss those things, it is certainly not our objective. The primary objective is full-on indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is what we used to call born-again experience, and not only being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but actually starting to receive unctions. From the Holy Spirit. Someone please here locally tell me what an unction is. Please don't tell me that you love Jesus Christ and do not keep his commandments. Okay, love and obedience seem to go together. So Satan works at building this culture of having love, 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 but little to no obedience to Jesus Christ thus producing an Antichrist. If you think Antichrists are Nero and Hitler and all these other crazy, wild, woolly leaders that keep popping up in every single generation, then you are partially being deceived. The reason why I say partially is because they were Antichrists. Or if there's a leader out there doing a genocide today, like in our, our home office in DRC Congo. By the way, I want to thank Stefan for all the hard work he did in our conference there this past week. He had 696 attendees to our identity
0: conference in the Congo. Well done, Stefan. You see, but there is a Antichrist in that
1: country doing a genocide. Those are obvious. Antichrist, the genocide type of leaders who are trying to rid the Christians on the face of the earth. We're going to be addressing Antichrist that's a little more personal
0: today. So, the actual Greek definition of Antichrist is an opponent of the Messiah. You see, it is actually someone who just rises up
1: when they hear truth. Listener, listen very carefully because there's some of you that are rising up right now as I'm preaching. And you're resisting. There's something happening inside you. It means you're accustomed to lies. I can listen to wild and crazy loud preachers today and set aside their style and still get the truth. That's what I'm asking you to do. An opponent is someone who rises up and goes, no, I will not listen to this. And they start going through their excuses. Always too wild and crazy, he's too loud. And you get
0: on your little list. Well, where'd you get that list? People that cannot accept the truth, no matter what it comes out of, even a donkey, you are emergent.
1: Something that has happened to you. That's what the enemy, the Antichrist, is offended by. Every single time an anointed teacher, whether you're a mommy or you're a leader of a nation, every single time an anointed teacher speaks out the words of God and gets a reaction from the people, I say to you this day, that should be your objective, to separate goats from sheep, to separate lies from the truth. And those of you who play with the edge of the social issues today in your preaching, you are playing with the area of gray. and People are not going to Rise up to separate themselves from you. If you haven't caught it already, listener, the key way to separate in the world today is through absolute truth. So when the people are hearing it, they're going, Whoa, I have not heard it like this before, but they stay embraced. They are showing evidence that they are of the true Christ. But if they rise up and they go, really, I am not accepting this anymore, and they separate, which is a word that we're going to be defining here in a couple moments, is what the Greek refers to as disenvow. Leave the fellowship. Go church shopping. There's a lots of different ways you can disenvow. But disenvow starts in the human mind by refusing to join yourself to truth. So the more absolute it becomes, the less you become able to preach the truth in the world today. So therefore, you will drift into this mushy gray zone. Now what is the number one characteristic that Deborah talked about in regard to defining John? Black and white. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, he said, Let your yes and your no, anything above and beyond this is evil. If you look up Greek in that particular passage, you're going to find the word gray. Overtone. Happens to be exact same root words where we find atonement. Is the reason why I brought in the pastel last week is for you to see the powerful difference between light and darkness. But in between the light and darkness, you have these tones, gray tones. They're all needed, but you need to be either of darkness or you need to be of light. And Jesus is saying, let your yes be yes. Now, listeners who particularly are teachers and preachers, I want to say this a little bit different. Let your preaching be absolute or let your preaching be absolutely not true. Anything above and beyond these two is emergent preaching. Well, that is a term that was used from my generation, Emergent is rarely used today on the internet. There is another term that they're using. What is it?
0: Post-truth is a brand new one. Social gospel. Where you make a big deal about black people suffering. I'm telling you here today, the black people don't need your comfort. Neither do the yellow ones. And neither do the white ones. We don't need a black month. We don't need a yellow month. And as you'll notice in 2020, there's going to be a gay month. Why do we do this? We don't need social issues. We need the
1: absolute gospel of Jesus Christ addressing society.
0: Of immorality. That's what we need, listener and preacher. So
1: is your preaching of the yes? For God said, For I am a God of the yes. That means that's where our preaching needs to be. Satan is a God of the no. He has no problems standing up to Christ and saying no. Do you know there's more honor in Satan's response than in most of yours as listeners? Some of you are so passive, you refuse to be honest and stand up to a preacher and say, No, I will not listen to this garbage. You see, I honor people in dialogue with them online if I get a yes out of them or a no out of them. I completely avoid. I have auto-responders to all my gray people. You can't counsel a gray person. You can't point out black and gray. You can't point
0: out white in gray. The reason why Jesus said, beyond this, it is evil. You cannot move evil. Evil has to be cast into
1: outer darkness. You see, the answer to the question some of you have asked me online is, you know, why isn't there redemption for Satan? Why isn't there redemption for demons? Because that absolute statement of putting his finger in the face of God and saying, No! God didn't have 40 hours of therapy for Lucifer. He cast him from heaven like a bolt of lightning. And he was immediately separated. When God makes that decision for you, there is no redemption available for you. There's no decision after you cross the line of death into more death where you open your eyes after you take your last breath, you thought your cancer was killing you, and this was it? Are you kidding me? When you get over that line, your eyes will be open like they have never been opened before. And you'll be just like Lazarus was. Can I please go back and warn
0: my wife? Can I please go back and warn my children? Remember the story? And of course God
1: said in his such emergent social way, Okay, I'll send you back. You can write a book about the vision
0: you had here. You can do a movie if you want. No, because they wouldn't listen. They would think there's still decision time. After death,
1: just look around, guys. It is everywhere, from movies to video games. You can shoot someone on a video game, and I'll I'll be darned if if not less than five seconds later that character pops up in another scene. Death has no sting anymore, and that is an objective of the enemy because he's gray.
0: I think the Antichrist will love wearing gray suits. But see, Satan himself is black. Jesus Christ is white. All the talk
1: of white that is used in the New Testament describing Jesus is
0: not an accident. The Greek for opponent is a person of opposition in a room.
1: Now, see, I find that very interesting. I would have just said, okay, a person, opponent, opposition, same Greek word, that makes sense. But no, in this passage, it's classified in a room. Why do you think that distinction is made, according to this passage? Exactly. John is addressing people sitting in front of you right now. So, this whole depictive of the antis being some Nero out there somewhere is really going to throw you off. He is addressing, there are goats inside your fellowship, pastors.
0: There are goats inside your little gatherings. What are you doing about it? The
1: term that is used here in the last hour Literally translates out as season. But I did the calculations. You can do the calculations as well. And if you look at one day of the Lord is how many years for humans? 1,000 years. Break that down into hours of the day. And you'll see exactly what John is talking about. We're in that hour. Prophets tend to use the timelines, the clock of God. Localized teachers called pastors tend to stick to human time clocks. That's why they miss so much. Pastor, you need to go find a prophet and become very good friends with that prophet.
0: You are the perfect balance of the shepherd And the prophet. Jeremiah
1: was one of the only prophets we know of that had a healthy blend between the two.
0: And that's why he was called the weeping prophet. David was known for being a shepherd. God picked him
1: literally out of the shepherd's fields. So here we have many antichrists have appeared. The Greek there is
0: have assembled with as goats with sheep. What's that? Who are the goats and who are the sheep? Goats are unbelievers.
1: Sheep are believers. We translate that out even further. Believers are anointed by the Holy Spirit and dwell by the Holy Spirit. And goats think they are. It is a
0: fascination to all Bible scholars. Why goats are attracted to sheep. And then when you watch goats with sheep, as stupid as us sheep can be,
1: we end up following the shepherd, right? (laughs) We end up following the goats. They're aggressive. They're resistant. They're rebellious. They can't be led. And so the sheep just seem to move with the cultural form of leadership of the day. And if that doesn't describe the post-truth church today, I don't know what does. When I read off of the internet from the site of the World Council of Churches and read with my own eyes that there's a mutual agreement Now, there's 282 denominations that are members of the World Council of Churches. And when I read that, they're in agreement that population control through birth control, abortion, and euthanizing is acceptable practice to the church. Now, you know, I just said it. You can send your emails and tweets. You're not going to believe it. And if you do contact me, I'm going to send you to their website. You have to do your own research. I'm here to tell you the reason why abortion is such a practice sin in America is because birth control was the original sin that Margaret Sanger promoted. She didn't even know what abortion was when she was alive. Do you understand that? She didn't even know. She didn't know what euthanizing was. It was not a term used. Euthanizing is a modern social issue definition.
0: Before that, it was called a word. Listeners, listen carefully. Murder. It has been evaporated from our
1: dictionary today. So now we're using the term euthanizing a child at eight months. It's called euthanizing a child right after they're born. Now they're talking about 48 hours after a child is born, you can euthanize them. And there are two countries practicing it already. You don't think it's not going to arrive
0: to America? Look to your northern borders, listener. It is upon us. How does this happen? Goats and sheep, folks.
1: He also said, no, this is the last hour. And it actually, the statement itself translates out to discover opposition in an assembly slash room, pastors, you need to look to see if there's some goats in your fellowship,
0: and you need to learn how to effectively deal with that issue. He went on to say, and they went out from
1: us. In the Greek there, it means to make issue, form betrayal. The interesting thing is is that Jesus knew from the very beginning that Judas
0: was going to betray him with what is called kiss. A very act of affection was the evidence that Jesus himself was supposed to
1: watch for for betrayal. There's a lot of you kissing people not just inappropriately But you have no clue what's going on behind that kiss. How many times have you hugged someone because you wanted to be nice or you wanted to be Christian and they left that little gathering and started gossiping about you? This is what Jesus was referencing. This affection, this I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you stuff. And in reality, those are the very people that are going to betray you. It is the most subtle form that John is addressing within this context of the passage. The Antichrist's objective, which in the Greek is to set one against another. How do you destroy a family heritage? You set your kids against you, but that doesn't happen until they turn 10 to 14. You may look at your children and say, everything's cool in this household, And when I hear comments like that, I say, well, we'll see. We'll see what your investment of leadership has done in this home. We'll see if you've taught your children to be of the God of the yes or the enemy of the no. We'll see, because what's going to happen is they are going to move to the gray zone and pretty much accept demonic images and videos and movies and writings and teachings and just whatever... They'll just learn to live in the gray zone. And then when you go to confront your children and say, don't you realize that is evil? And they'll look at you like you're crazy. Now, any parent who has done their homework knows I am speaking of absolute truth of our culture
0: today. What used to be a sin is now okay. Is that not out of Revelation? We're already there, folks. If you have
1: children, you need to wake up. Your leadership might not be separating light from darkness like you think. When your children hit the governed age of 13 for boys, and for young ladies, it's 12 to 14. When they hit this governed age, governed age is Hebrew for I am already an adult. How do we know when that phase happens? It's when they can have children. You think God's timeline of creating human bodies was different than the United States of America in 1942, establishing the industrial laws of 18 years of age is legal age? You see, what's happened is that the modality that God put together for you preparing your children to multiply The earth is different than the age when the state or country says that you can legally have sex. So now we're in this dilemma of determining maybe that wasn't a good law. Maybe we should make it legal for girls to get married at 12. How many are where? Sitting here today. And if you're listening online, you can tweet me. Send me an email, text me, 602-292-2982, and let me know that you have heard this, because this is important. It is presently on the books in Washington DC to change the marital age, legal age for
0: women to be 12 years of age. How many of you have heard this? So three of you. Now, I know what I just said to you is going to just blow by like
1: dust in the wind and you won't even care. But you'll see it with your grandchildren. Do you know what that means? They will have to drop the male age of decision and I've already been told the determining factor is what is the age
0: that young men can produce seed. That will be the age. What is the age that women can actually receive conception? That
1: will be the age. Someone please tell me here locally how old Mary was. This is provable by history. How old Mary was when she
0: gave birth to Jesus. Thirteen years of age. Why did the Holy Spirit visit her so young? God's design. My point is, is that man is catching on that we blew it. From the time of a young man
1: producing seed to this 18 years of age saying is an absolute joke because we have an entire culture that has been built from 13 years of age to 18 years of age and they're presently calling it
0: Generation Z. It's a whole culture that was formed by underage
1: citizens. And they realize they blew it. Because the government has no control over them. And the only way to have control over Generation Z is through their parents but the millennial parents do blow by on absolute truth all day long, every day. They hear powerful, powerful stated absolute truths and they forget it within how many hours? Three hours. It's guaranteed. What you heard today will be gone in three hours unless you are a person of truth and change and willing to make a difference in the world
0: today. Too tough for you to hear? I say, dry up. Wipe those tears. Get
1: beyond your repentance quickly and get into saving your children. Get into saving your grandchildren. Getting into saving your household. Get rid of that crap that is in your home that is perpetrating the gray zone. It's the only way you will save them. And those of you who are embarrassed because you have been so lazy in taking care of truth, I say dry up, wipe your tears, and get her done. God's the one that cares about your repentance. God's the one that cares about your sorrow. But I can assure you by the way of the scriptures, that action must be required of you after repentance. Or you'll go right back to where you were.
0: The word "abide," or "protection from the Antichrist" means in the Greek "abide"
1: repeats itself, to continue, to dwell, endure, be present, remain and stand." So when we use the term "abide in Christ, John is those who abide in Christ. It's saying those of you who continue in Christ those of you who dwell in Christ, those of you who endure in Christ, those of you who enjoy being in His presence, those of you who remain in Christ, and those of you who stand.
0: I admire social gospel Christians for carrying picketing signs. I do. You can see that. But also, as most of you
1: know, like... I like to go after picketers. So someone who's picketing abortion, for example, I say, have you considered the original sin? Well, what's that? Well, I'm just curious. Do you practice birth control? Well, yeah. Don't you realize that was Margaret Sanger's original sin? Of population control, which was the direct defiance act against God when God said, Now, Adam, Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth.
0: You think Satan sat back and went, Oh, crumb. Where goes that goal? He's going to come up with every clever idea he can to get Christian parents using birth control. Why didn't he just start with abortion? Why do you have to wait until the early 60s to kick that baby in? He's not as stupid as we are. We're the stupid goats. And if you're a born again believer, sheep. Actually, there is a phrase that says stupid sheep. Led to a slaughter. You want your kids to go to that slaughterhouse? That's your business. But I'm going to be one of these that stands up and says no to blackness. I don't want to play this emergent gray zone. He also
1: went on to say they went out to be known. These people literally appear, manifestly declare, manifest disloyalty, show self. They're not interested even in hurting you. That may be just a part of their agenda. They're interested in being known. Gossipers are known. Who does
0: not know who the town gossip is in this community? I know four of them. They're known.
1: The objective is to be known to manifest self. That's what the enemy does. And then true believers have an anointing. We already talked about in our pre-sermon, pre-sermon period that it is a special endowment, chrism of the Holy Spirit manifesting a holy unction. And an unction is a compelling act that cannot be controlled. It's not a decision. It's a compelling act. It's like when someone walks up behind you and pops a balloon behind your head, there is an
0: unction. There is a compelling act that happens. And what is it? Fright. Flight is considered an unction. Satan has his unctions
1: and God has his unctions. Those who are anointed by the Holy Spirit It is a compelling unction to open your mouth. It's a compelling unction to separate light from darkness. It's a compelling
0: unction to look at someone who's lying to your face and say, that is not the truth. Anyone in between those two is a liar. Do you know that most anti Christs Don't even have to lie. I don't like you.
1: I hate Christianity. I despise the
0: Bible. Now here's the irony, listener. As the most antichrists of darkness are
1: more trustworthy than you emergent believers. Those of you who have blended light and darkness so much that it cannot be separated
0: anymore. Those are the absolutely worst types. Can't separate them. The goats and the sheep are vinegar so much you don't even know what's a what. And now your grandchildren
1: hate Jesus Christ, and you're going, Oh, I pray for that child all the time. I say, why What did you look at what you did to contribute to that? The only way to get an emergent child is to blend light and darkness. Mommy, Daddy, Preacher, Teacher, Social Gospel. It's the only way it can happen. I don't look at our Gen Z people, and as most of our listeners know, I do a great deal of writing and teaching and preaching to the Generation Z, and it's because I don't blame them. They're the products of these
0: lazy, cowardly parents who blended light and darkness. He also said
1: no lies of the truth. Of course, that's falsehood, spoken words of an Antichrist. He doesn't make this a gray statement. He literally says the words of the Antichrist. So I guess I have to ask you the question is what voice are you listening to? Liar denies Christ. In the Greek it is to contradict, that is disenvow, reject, deny, or refuse. 602 I want to know if you were able to hang on to the truth for the last 40 minutes. I really want to know. I would also like to know if this just drove you crazy listening to this message. I want to know if you came up with excuses not to listen to the message. Too tired, turned off the radio or turned off the podcast or you know maybe another day or this guy was annoying or just whatever. I would really like to know because I'm a statistic freak. And I want to find out how many goats we have listening. Cuz even with the goats, some goats are actually in a position of saying, now that guy says it like I believe it. And they're goats, unbelievers. Then there's one group that are true sayers, and they say, now that guy says it like it is. Then there's this middle group that says, man, this was an annoying 40 minutes. I can't get this separated out of my head. I'm more confused than when I started. Those are Confessions. And don't pin it on your your teachers and preachers, listeners. Those are your confessions. And emergent believers disenvow from absolute truth that
0: resided in their minds, which happens in sermons or Bible teaching. The final objective of the Antichrist
1: is pretty much the same thing, to contradict, disenvow, reject, and deny the body of
0: Christ. Truth abides in true believers, and the Greek there is test of endurance to remain.
1: You see, that's why I admire people of darkness who send in that little text and say, I made it all
0: the way through your message. And honestly, it was fascinating. They're an unbeliever. Anyone who does not disavow from absolute truth is
1: on your side. Saved or not. And those are the people that become candidates to getting saved. Are they not? Because if you say, well, Jesus Christ is the way, they, wow, okay, well, show me how. And they're unsaved. But see, if you talk to a gray zone person... He said, Well, Jesus Christ really is the way to have this absolute presentation.
0: I don't know, I got to think about it. How can a confused mind think about something? That makes no sense to me. That's why they're in the fix that they're in. That's why
1: I was in the fix I was in in the 70s, is whenever I said, I got to think about that, I need some more time, I need some whatever, there's just. Confusion results in more confusion. And that's why the lion's share of people today are not getting saved. Absolute truth is just that this is the truth. I can't deny it. I'm on my knees and I repent.
0: Excellent. You don't need 50, 60, 70 hours to do
1: a psycho babble on it or Bible study on it. You don't need a certificate in theology to figure out the details behind salvation. You heard the absolute truth. You fell to your knees. You repented. You received Jesus Christ. And now Christ says, open your
0: mouth and I'll give you an unction. How is this complicated? And finally,
1: his anointing teaches, which in the Greek there is special endowment, quality of being possessed of the Holy Spirit that reveals. If you do not have a rich understanding of absolute truth that is presented to you, it might be, and most likely is evidence, there's no possession of the Holy Spirit within you to actually do the revealing. So the revealing with people in darkness, is all externals by the hearing of your ears. And you hear this absolute truth and you go, I know what that person said is truth. It's external. Why it's gone in three hours. I've already shared with you guys statistics as come from Christian researchers that only 2% of the people listening to a sermon, whether you're in the Congo or whether you're in India, or whether you're in the United States, only 2% of the listeners that you had in front of you today will be able to accept the truth. Only 2%. I don't care how conservative and loyal your fellowship is. Only 2% are going to go, I will not be the same tomorrow because of... Sunday to repeat 1 John two twenty eight twenty nine 29 says now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming if you know that he is righteous you know that everyone also who practice righteousness is born of him Our key words in this section of the passage is little children means converts, abide in him means dwell, remain, stay in that position, appears is to make known, confidence is public bluntness, not shrinking is not pulling away, his coming is to gather and arrive, and born of him is conceived of the seed of Jesus Christ. Stand out and stand together by uniting passion with purpose. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at
0: IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.